And look at that. I found their Facebook page. Wonderful. Oh, hit, hit post over there, down at the bottom. See, there we go. There we go. Oh, we got it. We got, okay. We're getting there. We got the post. I'm going to search post on this page. Yeah, search, search Academic Senate. Hopefully their applications are open. Let's see. So we have a February 3rd, 2018, week four staff member of the week. No, we don't care about that. Um, congratulations to the newest baby Bruins, March 16th, 2018. Oh, that was last year. Never mind. Okay. Uh, happening now, winter quarter appointments. That was 2017. What happened to 2019? Uh, 2017, 2017, 2018, 2018, 2015. Why doesn't Facebook order by most recent posts? Oh, 2014. Okay. 2015, 2013. I don't think we're finding anything here. Mm, I think I now know why only eight people are on the academic senate from the undergraduate student body. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Nell Friends, one of the Daily Bruins' official opinion podcasts. My name is Keisha Thadimati. I'm the Daily Bruins' opinion editor. And we have a lively crew with us today, a lot of new faces today. Um, does everybody want to go around and introduce themselves? Sure. Hi, I'm Emily Mers. I'm a staff opinion columnist. Hi, I'm Andrew Ray Chowdhury, and I'm an opinion columnist. Hey, how's it going? I'm Srikanth Raghuraman. I'm an opinion columnist. And if you didn't realize in the beginning, that was Srikanth and his wonderful laptop and keyboard featured in this great podcast. And yes, if you didn't realize, we were looking for the Academic Senate applications for the undergraduate student body. Um, these are hosted by the Academic Affairs Commissioner, which is part of USAC, the Undergraduate Student Association Council. And uh, no, we didn't find an application. Um, no, but we did find a couple of 2013 posts. Those could be equally as helpful. The Daily Bruin came out with a story earlier this week, or rather Friday of last week, so we're recording this podcast Friday, March 1st. So the Daily Brain came out with a new story, February 22nd, about how Nadira Stevens, this year's USAC Academic Affairs Commissioner, or AAC, had only appointed one undergraduate student to the Academic Senate as of Monday of that week. And that, you know, that same week on Tuesday, she had appointed seven undergraduate students to occupy 20 seats that were available to her. So the Academic Senate is largely like this this big body of faculty, students, and staff who determine academic policy. They write everything from what courses you need to take to graduate, you know, what are the requirements of all undergraduate students, what minors can be allowed in the department or allowed in the university, and even also things like sexual violence, sexual harassment policy. They comment on those sorts of things. And, you know, students are largely not present in these conversations. So, you know, a lot of students have fought for representation on these committees and the entire graduate and undergraduate body are allotted somewhere near about 42 seats. So 21 seats are appointed by the Graduate Students Association, or GSA, which is the graduate student government. And another 21 seats are appointed by the undergraduate student government, or USAC. Um, and those appointments on the undergraduate side are handled by the AAC, the Academic Affairs Commissioner. And usually these appointments are done in spring quarter, maybe even in fall quarter. But up until last week, Monday, there was only about one appointment of 21 that were done. And this set people ablaze. Well, not literally, but, you know, people were sort of up in arms. Um, and there was sort of a late night confirmation of seven people in addition to that. So now there are eight of 21 seats that are occupied, but we're still missing a lofty 13. And this has sort of raised the, raised the question of what happened? And no one really has an answer here. And that's why we're all talking about this. Nadira Stevens, the Academic Affairs Commissioner, said that because she could not find enough students with, like, 
time to commit. Um, she couldn't appoint these seats early on. But that sort of weighed questions of how seven seats were magically filled on that Tuesday night last week. So I'll kick it to you guys. Just general thoughts. What do you think about this? I think it's kind of egregious that Sophie were appointed so late, especially because I know last year the former Academic Affairs Commissioner Divya Sharma had some trouble appointing them, and a lot of his appointments were internal, but ultimately the number of people appointed was much higher than this, the current Academic Affairs Commissioner. So I definitely think it's a bit concerning. Well, I think the thing with USAC in general is many students seem to not know what's going on, so you have to have faith that they're actually doing their job correctly. And when you suddenly find out that it's been almost the whole year and they haven't done it correctly, it's quite shocking that they've had all this time and still not been able to fill these seats. Realistically speaking, you hit the nail nail on the head. She is talking, she's driving this narrative that it's the student's fault and that it's it's on the student's burden in terms of the fact that students don't want to work hard enough and that students don't want to like work hard enough to be appointed on the academic senate and they don't want to put in the work. The reality is she found seven students in one day. Now, you could have done that three times and you would have found 21 students. And you've had two quarters, 20 weeks... I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, to uh, Stevens's credit, she did appoint, I believe, two other seats earlier this week on Tuesday, February 26th. Um, but that still puts us at 20, 10 out of 21. So we're still below the 50% margin, if I'm thinking. Um, but sort of one of the counter arguments that has come up about this is that the Academic Affairs Commissioner sits on these positions that aren't filled by the student body. And that, you know, it's tough to come with students who have you know, policy acumen and know what is happening. Like, you can't just pick up 21 Joshmos from Bruin Walk and stick them in the academic senate. How do you guys respond to that? Do you guys agree, disagree? I think that might be true that there aren't that many students out there who are educated enough or have the time commitment to be on the academic senate. The one problem, though, is that it seems like it's really hard to find the application as the beginning of the podcast shows. And um, I don't think they're very well publicized. Like, I'm friends with a lot of USAC people on Facebook, and I've never seen these applications. And so, to me, it kind of begs the question, like, how well are they circulated, especially if in past years um, the people that they've appointed have been mostly internal appointments. And so, I don't know. I don't think that their claims have – like, I wouldn't give their claims full weight. I mean, I think it's a pretty lousy excuse. I don't see how anyone can expect anyone to – get the policy knowledge needed to be on the academic senate if no one's actually being allowed to ever be on the academic senate that seems like that would be the best on the job training to actually be appointing students on it so they can understand how it works and also they've had all this time to find students surely they can find 21 qualified students yeah i mean at the end of the day this is continuing the narrative that students are the problem here and realistically given two quarters you know practically students are not the problem we are on the best public university in the world, er, in the country. Maybe in the world, who knows? Maybe in the world. We're, we're the I mean, if you look at my midterm grades, probably not, but, you know, <laughs> barring that point, continue. We're the best public university in the world, and we have a humongous undergraduate population, the biggest among all of the UCs. It is not hard to find 21 smart, politically knowledgeable individuals on this campus. I think this sort of raises the question in general about sort of broader student interest in campus politics or even in the academic senate, right? Like a lot of us probably didn't know about the academic senate. I mean, I only know about it because I'm a higher education junkie. Um, and I know that the ap- academic senate is sort of the apparatus through which any kind of academic change is made. But like the broader student body probably doesn't know. And that knowledge transfer just, just decreases as people become less interested in the bureaucracy of the university, right? So just sort of how, do, how do you think that student government should reconcile this 
sort of growing disinterest in the student body? Well, I don't think it's easy to necessarily spark interest in, in something that students just, they have other priorities. But I definitely think like with, first of all, we, we've already mentioned how difficult it is to find the application. So definitely trying to be more um, public about what they're doing, what they're trying to do, and maybe even just trying to engage with students more about what the academic Senate does, why it's important, and really making sure students know why all of these things are important. And I'm sure that could get students more engaged, but definitely just more engagement with the undergraduate population. I think one of the biggest issues is like transparency, um, which is kind of a buzzword. Like, what does that even mean for a USAC office to be transparent? And like, if we're not in the office, we can't fully know what they're doing ever. But I do think that certain offices are better able to be more open. Like in the past, the office of the president has I don't know. I've seen them be a little bit more transparent with the appointments they're making. So I certainly do think that it's possible. And additionally, like, I think there's a lot of UCLA students who are, like, huge resume builders. Like, they're trying to do everything they can to, like, add junk to their resume. And so in that sense, I think there are plenty of, like, political science students or econ students, whatever, who would do any position they can just to, like, boost their resume. And so I just think it's, like, a disconnect in, like, communication between USAC and like all those students who are like want to be more involved. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with both Andrew and Emily. At the end of the day, it does boil down to transparency, but mo- more importantly, the marketing factor. Like there's like the importance of putting out the story, putting out the information, right? Because there's a lack of information on USAC and a lack of information about the appointees, and realistically, if you don't have the information, what can you do? I guess another question that's probably going to be raised is the fact that like what will these students have accomplished in the academic senate so academic policy is a very slow moving thing it's taken quite some time for the academic senate to even consider things like accommodations during finals for in case there are like campus emergencies for example in 2017 fall quarter there was a skirball fire and finals had to be delayed for a couple people accommodations had to be made because classes were canceled and that too sort of after a lot of delay and a lot of hubbub and paraphernalia. So like, I guess like, so maybe the cynical question is like, does student, having students on the academic senate make a difference? I think that's a great question. And I was just thinking about that myself when I was reading the article. I was like, there's only been one person from undergraduate appointed this far. And I personally haven't seen that much of a change in like academic policy, which is maybe concerning either way. So I don't know. It seems... Like, it's important to have student representation just for the sake of having it so that student voices are able to decide, like, enrollment passes or, like, what classes you need to complete a major. But, like, I'm going to guess that most of the time those appointments don't actually do anything and it's just kind of wasted time. But regardless, I still think it's important to have. What about you guys? Well, I also think a large part of this is the fact is that the whole body is unwieldy, right? It's it's a very large body, and the bigger the body is, the less it's going to get done. Frankly, by making it less bureaucratic and more in more in terms of wanting to get things done, I think that uh, I think that lowering the number of seats, but will increase the importance of each of those seats individually, right? In terms of the overall academic senate, I th- I also think that. It'll also help speed up the process. Do you think that then that there should be 21 undergraduate seats and 21 graduate seats? I think that there should be fewer undergraduate and graduate seats, but there should also be fewer seats uh, regarding the faculty. I definitely think undergraduate representation is necessary and needed. I don't know how to, like, I don't think I can comment on the correct number of seats needed, but I think that students at least need to feel that their voices are being heard, even if the reality is that 
undergraduates might not have a huge say, but it's the whole point of being of feeling like you actually have a voice. And also, maybe they aren't the ones calling the big shots on the academic senate, but I'm sure they certainly have at least some influence on the decisions that are made regarding the undergraduate student body. So one more counterpoint, because you know what? This is a great counterpoint smashing session. Um, or so I think. Um, last year's Academic Affairs Commissioner Divya Sharma came out on Twitter blasting an editorial written by the Daily Bruin, which for full transparency, I sit on the board. But anyway, anyway, point aside, um, saying that, you know, it was a gross mischaracterization of this entire issue that, you know, last year he didn't have full staffing of all the appointments. And yet he was able to fight for things like accommodations during finals for students during natural disasters and whatnot. Um, and also, you know, imp- increase the number of classes that are broadcasted by 50. And I guess this has sort of also raised the question of like, do we think that, you know, maybe the Academic Affairs Commissioner should be the one strong arming all these and just like managing all these committees and whatnot? Or do we think that like it should be opened up to the broader student body? Like what, at which point do we say like we should have more policy insiders or should we have people from the general population? I think that Davia Sharma might be partially correct that despite not being able to fulfill a lot of the appointments on the academic senate, he was still able to get a lot done. And so to that point, I do think that you need like a figurehead almost who's like has a lot of motivation and has a specific policy vision for what they want to do in their term um, to actually have a successful like academic affairs commission. And so I don't think that opening up all of these committees to like the general studio student body would actually have that much of an impact in terms of student representation, because realistically, they're going to be filled by just USAC people. And so I think electing someone to the academic affairs commission as the academic affairs commissioner who has a vision um, is the better way to go because then they can spearhead the efforts. But unfortunately, there's also the risk that we have now where there's like nine, there were for a while like 20 empty seats on the Senate. So I don't know. I mean, my main concern would be with the fact that we should just have this academic affairs commissioner who seems to, I don't d- doubt that they have the knowledge and the expertise to be able to push policy through. My main concern would be whether they even have the, the time and energy to dedicate to all these different um, different things, different committees. I mean, when they already have their own job as Academics Affairs Commissioner, they probably have to do multiple things. So I think it definitely helps if you can spread the responsibility around even just a little bit, just so that students know that each um, committee and everything is being um, really, people are taking great concern with everything seriously to a great extent. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with Andrew. The question is about responsibility at the end of the day. And the whole point of having employees for as the Academic Affairs Commissioner is so that you can delegate some of your responsibilities to them and so that they can help you get things done. So your vision is guided by your employees, and your employees are the way that you are supposed to get things done. So I think at the end of the day, it's a question about responsibility. And it shouldn't be on the Academic Affairs Commissioner because that's simply too much responsibility. So, final question. USAC election is rolling around sometime in May, which in this quarter we have three more weeks-ish, four if you include finals week, and we have about four or five weeks in spring quarter before all hell breaks loose and USAC begins campaigning and whatnot. Oh, Andrew and Srikanth haven't seen this. They're both first years, but Emily and I are nodding in unison. We've, we've lived through it. I've lived through it twice, and it was a lot. This would be my fourth time. Uh, oh, you're in for a wild ride, <laughs> my friend. Um, but, you know, USAC elections... <laughs> so USAC elections are around the corner. And, you know, the new Academic Affairs Commissioner will be appointing new people to these seats. 
and those people ostensibly would serve for a year and whatnot. What can be done in the remaining five or so weeks that hasn't been accomplished ostensibly in the past two quarters? Make a tab on your Facebook page that says apply. Make a tab on your website page that says apply. And not one that says apply for a travel grant, one that says apply to the stu- to the academic center. Fair words. Anybody else? I mean, I think the sad thing is that there's very little that can be done with such with like such little time left before the new elections. It's just, I don't think it's fair to students to have had such lousy representation on the academic Senate um, for this whole year. And so, I mean, they can try and appoint more people, but as you said, there's only a few more weeks um, before the election. So I highly doubt that anything drastic can be changed. And that's just not really fair to the undergraduate population. Yeah, I don't, I tend to agree. I don't think anything's really going to change in this short amount of time unless somebody comes in and has like a vision as an academic senator and like is trying to implement policy. But other than that, I think nothing's going to change. Although I do think we still need the seats to be filled in case of like some natural disaster or whatever where we need to like postpone finals and we just don't have enough people on the Senate to vote on it. So yeah, I don't think much is going to change though. Well, friends, looks like we have some rather grim predictions about the academic Senate. I personally have faith that in five weeks, you know, students procrastinate a lot. Will this year's Academic Affairs Commissioner fill those remaining 13 seats, or I guess in this case, 11 seats? Who knows? I've accomplished things at the last minute. Wouldn't say they have great quality, but, you know, who knows? Anyway, we'll be back after a short break with a different topic, sidewalks. No Offense But is a product of the Daily Baron's Opinion section. Got any tips about what we should talk about next time on the podcast? Send us an email at opinion at dailybrew.com or just come and visit us at Kirkhoff 118. You know what's worse than the Academic Senate? Sidewalks in Westwood. Amen to that. Um, so yeah, if you guys haven't realized, we're going to be talking about of course you haven't realized. We haven't even started talking about the topic. Wow, I usually say a lot of things off the cuff. But off the cuff is great because you know what's what else is off the cuff? Sidewalk repair in Westwood. Um, so we're going to go around and talk about our own horror stories with sidewalks in North Village and Westwood Village because they're owned by the city of Los Angeles, but LA seems to act as if it's someone else's problem. So Emily, why don't you start us off? Enlighten us with your sidewalk tales. Yes, absolutely. I would love to... S- share my experience so a couple weeks ago I was walking to work casually it's like a 15 minute walk from where I live and I was wearing my work shoes and I twisted my ankles super hard because I was texting on my phone but needless to say there was a giant dip in the sidewalk that where it wasn't supposed to be because of some root and so I twisted my ankle and it was bruised for a couple days and it was very painful but the point of the story was that wasn't the first time it happened to me There's just a lot of shenanigans that happen when you're walking around the sidewalks and not paying attention. And so definitely very scary. You have to be watching the ground at all times. Oh, yeah. Time to get rid of all those annoying trees in Westwood, you know. Deforestation in Westwood, why not? No, I'm joking. Because trees aren't the root of the problem. Nice pun. Uh... Rather, it's negligence. So the city of Los Angeles owns all these sidewalks. And apparently you can request that they get repaired and whatnot. But which student is going to call L.A. and go please fix my sidewalk because they're not going to sit there and camp out and property owners who own the place aren't going to sit there and care about the sidewalks because the sidewalk isn't their property and like then who's gonna fix it so i've noticed this because by where i live a couple like 
I don't know what you call them, it's like squares of sidewalk were recently redone, like by trees because the trees like had messed them up so much. But if you ever pay attention to like the, in, like how people like engrave on sidewalk, like the years of the last, like when people like left their mark on the sidewalk, it's like, it goes back to like the early nineties. And I'm like, how has it not been repaired since then? Like, it's just egregious. So you're telling me the sidewalks were put there before I was born? Yeah, no, I saw some that were like, 95 or whatever they're like go Bruins class of 95 and I was like what (laughs) like this is wild like that's cool because like I wrote my name in the sidewalk or like my initials but I'm like it'll probably be there forever like I can I can agree with Emily like my own experiences in North Village I live in the apartments is it's every day is just a roller coaster it's like when am I going to trip and fall because I'm always on my phone like and the fault isn't with me because even if I'm not on my phone I'm still going to trip and fall because I'm clumsy and even if I'm not clumsy I would still trip and fall because the sidewalks are messed up and like there have been roots I've tripped over there are like open waterways and stuff sometimes it's like you know when the rain comes it's it's just it's just a water slide in Westwood but you know two people in this group who don't have to deal with sidewalks Shrikanth and Andrew, because they live on the hill. Do you two want to tell us about your own sidewalk perils? You, you look at the sidewalks, right? And very clearly, you can you can clearly see that the problem are the trees. So obviously, we have to cut down all the trees. That, that that goes without question. You know, you're tripping over roots. Cut down the roots. There are no more roots. No problem. You, you feel me? But more importantly, we don't have to cut down the trees because uh, there are no poor sidewalks on the hill. So I don't see why I should care. The hill's great. Yeah, I'm pretty happy to be living on the hill right now after hearing about all this sidewalk craziness, you know. The hills definitely, they maintain those sidewalks well, so I'm pretty proud of that. One thing that maybe to consider is that, like, and that students have brought up, is that those with accessibility concerns, those maybe using um, accessibility devices or motorized chairs have a tough time on the sidewalks, either because they're too narrow or because of, like, the elevation caused by roots makes it tough for them to travel by. So, like, do you guys think there's a way out of this? Do we just, everybody walks on the roads now? Give up cars? I mean, why don't we drive, why don't cars go on the sidewalks and people walk on the roads? Because, you know, cars can drive over routes, right? And people can walk on the roads. That seems fair. I'm I'm curious as to whether you're joking or not. I can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, what do you you think? Yeah, I mean, Shrikanth makes a good point. It seems like it might be one of the only solutions, especially when students who have to have midterms, finals, exams, papers, they actually have to call Los Angeles, city of Los Angeles, just doing something that people should expect them to do. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe walking on the roads is the only way to get out of this. I would take a different approach, although I respect their opinion, certainly. As someone who's walked on the sidewalks, clearly more than they have. But I would just say that I think students should probably try to start lobbying the city of Los Angeles more, which is, like, kind of annoying, and it's a lot of effort. But, like, sometimes that's just something you have to do, because, like, realistically, the city of Los Angeles is not just going to drive around being like, oh, look, a sidewalk we need to fix. Like, that's just not going to happen. And so I do think that students probably need to make a more concerted effort. It's just unfortunate because, like, it might not have any return. But I, I I don't think there's a solution other than that, than ultimately putting so much pressure on the city that they do start to fix the sidewalks. SOS, save our sidewalks. Okay, friends, we'll be back next week with the new No Offense podcast. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play Music recently, too, and also on dailybrain.com slash radio.